This morning, we are closing off our Maranatha series by looking at the last chapter of 2 Thessalonians, where we're going to learn about avoiding idleness, avoiding idleness, okay? So I want to invite you to stand to your feet, and we're going to read from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6 to 15 together, okay? 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6 to 15 together. And this is what it says. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy, they are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instructions in this letter. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a fellow believer. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that the presence of Jesus Christ, your son, is in this room by the Holy Spirit. And Father, we thank you for this passage that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write. God, I think of the time of when you settled the multitudes and you took the two fish and the five loaves of bread and you broke it and you fed them. In the same way today, Father, I pray that this message, would you break this for us and give it to us so that our spiritual hunger would be satisfied. God, we need you to speak to us. We need you to feed us. We need you to minister to us. We need you to change us. So for each of us who are listening today, be it in person or online, we pray that we would hear what the Spirit of God is saying. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we ask this in your name. And God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. This has been a very fantastic series, and I know I already said that, and I hope that you are all like tracking along with us together. I know that for us as a staff and even uh, as, as, our, as a team, we, we, we are going through this series together, and uh, we're actually really living through this series. To tell you the truth, there have been some uh, funny conversations that we've had. So just to kind of share about something, how this message would really apply to me today, um, we have a group chat that all of our staff that we share so that we can communicate because our offices are quite spread apart in the office. And I'm the type, usually, whenever I come here to church, I like to irritate uh, most of our staff by checking in on them and saying hello and wasting a lot of their time. 
Um, but hey, I'm the care pastor for why not? So, so, you know, I do that. And one time, you know, it got really busy at work and, uh, I, I, and it was very quiet in the office, like extremely quiet. So, you know, I was just being tongue in cheek. And so what I said was, I just wrote on the chat, I said, where is everyone? Did the rapture happen? <laughs> Cause we're, you know, cause we're in a first and second Thessalonians series. We're talking about the rapture, all of that. And uh, to my grave mistake, the replies started to come really fast. And Pastor Chris comes in first, like in two seconds. He's like, in heaven, where are you? <laughs> Following that, the associate pastor, Pastor Kim, followed along. And she said, working, you should try it sometime. And on the heels of that, most of our other staff were still here on planet Earth, so I felt kind of relieved that, you know, we all missed the rapture together, <laughs> and we're all still here, praise God. So all in all, the reason why I said that is so that you understand that the passage that we're looking at today is God is actually encouraging us to avoid idleness, idleness. And, um, and I know that the message that the Lord is giving here us today, as we look at it, God's going to bring out some practical points, but I also firmly believe that he will speak his heart to us today. Amen? And I hope that you came with that expectation to actually hear what the heart of God is going to say to us. Okay? So, this passage that we're concluding our series with today is actually a very important one to heed. We can't take this message lightly, this, especially this passage. And you will notice that Paul, when he's writing most of his New Testament letters, he has a very interesting way of how he writes them, okay? And in generic, when you actually read through your entire Bible, you will see that the Bible has all kinds of scriptures inside of it. You have narratives inside of it. You have wisdom literature inside of it. You have songs inside of it. And each of these uh, scriptural passages have a different style of how it is written. And most of the time, most scriptures that we have, especially in Old Testament, they are, they are not directly saying something to us. They are there for us to kind of pick up on and catch up on. But when we come to New Testament, especially in Paul's letters, you will see that there are more direct, inf like direct directions given to us. And the passage that we just read is very, very clear. It's very direct, and it is very much to the point. And that's, that's the point in itself. It's not hard to miss the point of this passage. It's very clear. And I want you to notice two things at the beginning and at the end of the passage that we read. The opening line of verse 6 begins like this. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you. That's how it starts. And then the closing line of verse 14 says, take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. So what does this imply? It means that what Paul is instructing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit cannot be taken as a suggestion or as an advice. The instruction he gives comes with the seal of the Lord's name that demands obedience. It actually demands obedience. So disobeying this command can have consequences. 
and it cannot be taken lightly. It cannot be taken lightly. And what is the command? To keep away from every believer who's idle, disruptive, and does not follow the teaching that they received. Paul is addressing an issue about a certain group of believers who are considered to be troublemakers for they strayed from proper apostolic teaching. And they lack a good work ethic and are hurting the communal life of the Thessalonian body of Christ. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, which we saw a few weeks ago, we see that Paul makes a quick reference to this idol group. But in that letter, he instructs the Thessalonians only to admonish them. He doesn't say anything more about that. The fact that we have such a lengthy instruction, a lengthy warning in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 suggests that later on, this troublesome group of believers was becoming a very serious problem inside the church. Okay? Now, what was their problem? They weren't believers who just don't work. They didn't want to work. They didn't want to work. And not only did they not want to work, but they are also being disruptive and disobedient to the teachings that they had received. Now, what caused them to become idle, disruptive, and disobedient? That's the big question here. What, what happened for this problem to escalate more than it needed to? There are various speculations that biblical scholars believe, and I want to share with you two of them. The first one is, they became idle because of Paul's teaching of Jesus' imminent return. Because they believed he was coming back, they thought it would be better just to stop working and just wait. Okay? The second fact is this. They gained influence within the congregation through false teachings and began to leech on others. Regardless of these speculated reasons, the, the concern being called out here is twofold. It's twofold. It isn't that some believers are unable to work, but rather unwilling to work. Okay? It's not an issue about their capacity, it's an issue about the heart. And it's scary that Paul is saying, avoid such a believer. Avoid this kind of individual. Now, while we read this, there is a little bit of a, there can be a little bit of a confusion when we read this entire text. And we find that actually in verse 11, which says this, Paul says this, they're not busy, they are busy bodies. And Paul doesn't explain exactly what a busy body is, but when we check other New Testament references of this word, it could suggest that they were gossiping, teaching false doctrines, conspiring, having all kinds of other debates, and leading other believers astray from the faith and mission. They are busying themselves, busying themselves with invaluable work that was hurting the body of Christ. Now, there are three things that God wants to share with us that are practical points that we should take away from this passage, okay? The first thing is this. Work is important. 
So this is a clear passage that says that working is important. As believers, we must not forget that all work, all work, be it relational, be it marital, be it educational, be it career-wise, be it parental, be it spiritual, all work that we do is important. And having a positive and willing attitude to work glorifies God among others. Paul encourages us in Colossians 3, 23 to 24. This is what he says. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. See, even in those two verses, Paul puts the emphasis, who are we working for? And in the first time when he puts it, he says, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And why is that reminder there? Because we live in a culture where sometimes we tend to forget why we do what we do and who we do it for as believers. And so this is a great reminder for those of you who are feeling very overwhelmed or stressed to go to work. May I encourage you, memorize this verse. Let this be the heartbeat of your, of your, of your work ethic. That everything that we do is to the glory of Jesus Christ. Okay? So, any work that we are a part of right now, see to it that we are doing unto Jesus. And know this, we will receive an inheritance from him as a reward for our hard work. Okay? Now, the second thing is... Doing the right work is more important. The right work. Not just any work, the right work. The world is full of distractions. Your time spent and worked on the right things is eternally valuable. Eternally valuable. Not everything out there needs to be done by us. Not everything out there needs our attention. Not everything out there needs our, our say. Not everything out there needs our wisdom. Not everything out there needs our opinion. We have to make use of where we put our hard work into. Listen carefully. Some of us are caught up in doing some things that are eating out the most expensive gift that God has ever given us, and that is our time. Money cannot buy time. Time is a grant that God actually gives us. It's an allowance that we have to use wisely. And here's the thing. Paul says in his other letters to other churches, make use of the time. Make use of the time. When people are carelessly spending their time on meaningless things, the delusion behind it is to think that those things are eternally worthwhile when they're really not. James 4, verse 13 to 15. Hear what, hear what, hear what Apostle James is saying here. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? 
You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. This is a great reminder that we're not here holding God. God is here holding us. If you are here today in this room, and in the next second, you're taking an air out, and you're taking an air in, that is because God permits it so. Paul the Apostle said this verse in Acts. He says, in him we live and move and have our being. Without him, we're toast. What James is saying is that whatever you are planning to do, filter it through God's will. Filter it through the understanding that we're living at God's grant of time. And every moment has to count. Everything has to be done intentionally well. And see, sometimes we do many things in God's name. We do many things in God's name. Doing a lot for God only counts if that is exactly what he has called and instructed us to do. It is important to be wholeheartedly obedient to God rather than being sacrificially busy for God. God is more interested in what he asked us to do rather than doing more than what he asked. Don't waste your time. Life is precious, and there are specific things that God wants to work on that are eternally rewarding. Eternally rewarding. Okay? The third thing I want you to recognize from this passage is this. Everything we do affects the whole. Everything we do affects the whole. The way we live our life not only affects our relationship with God and with others, but it affects others uh, affects ourselves, but it also affects others. Proverbs 10 verse 1 says this, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Proverbs 10 17 says this also, Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. Take note that these two verses of wisdom are showing that how we live our life can affect others. Everything we do, be it in open or in secret, affects all of us. All of us. So, pray to be mindful of how we live. Especially as followers of Jesus Christ. For we are representatives of Him. Now, as you're sitting here, you might wonder, well, Pastor Joshua, that's all true, but I don't know how this applies to us because I have this under control. Because you want to know why? That's the same thing. When I was meditating on this passage, I was like, well, I got this down to the T. I don't have to worry about this. But as you let the word of God speak to you even more and more, there are things that God wants us to always work on. And here's what I want to share with you, and I please hear the heart of God when I share this with you. As a church, we all may be diligently working physically and practically well, but spiritually, we may not all be. 
Now, I know this passage is directly addressing about a physical working issue that Paul was dealing with at his time. But when we put this word, when we put this text in the counsel of the entire word of God, we realize something about work, that God has not only called us to physical laboring work, but he's also called us to spiritual work. And the challenge of this generation and this time in this communities, in these, in these uh, kind of cultures is that we get so busy working our, our, our physical life that sometimes our spiritual life gets a huge neglect. Before I dive into the specifics of what God wants to share with us is that I want to take a moment to briefly boast about some things that I'm really proud of us as a church. Can we do that? We can do that. Let's, let's, let's celebrate this before God for his grace to help, us, to help us be like these kinds of great quality churches. And this is what it is. The first thing I want to say is that we are a very generous church. Amen? We are a very generous church. For any opportunities to support local initiatives and even missions abroad, we are ready to give generously. And because of that, God blesses us financially to continue being generous. Okay? The second thing I want you to hear is this. We are a communal church. I'm telling you, when that word koinonia came a few months ago from Pastor Kathy's message, that word was the buzz, man. That word was permeating everybody's hearts that when fall came around, everybody was joining some, somewhat of a small group, some ministry to be having a communal life among other believers. Thank you for doing that. That is good for your spiritual life. Many members and attendees are plugged into a small, a small group or a ministry so that we can grow together in our walk with Jesus. And if you're not plugged into a small group today, there's Pastor Kim. You saw her earlier. She opened up the service. Go and find her, and she will help you get plugged in right away. It's important. The third thing is, we are a caring church. We are a caring church. If one of our members is hurting as in, and is in need of help, we are willing to step up with the best of what we have and meet the need that is there. Thank you for doing that. That's awesome. The third thing, the fourth thing, sorry, is this. We are a serving church. Our volunteers not only bring their gifting to serve the church, but we bring a teachable, honorable, God-glorifying attitude, and they give of their time and energy. So to all the volunteers who have been serving, thank you. Thank you for serving the church. You are a blessing to the body of Christ. These are some commendable qualities about us, and God will continue to bless us for this spiritual labor that we're doing. There's no doubt about it. God will continue to do that. But there is still room for growth in some areas that are not optional. They're actually very crucial for the next season of where God is taking us as, together as a church, and that is to become a missional church. I want you to understand the gravity and, and the, the seriousness of this. This is like a one-lane exit. 
And we got to take this exit if we want to go into what God has next for us. And we have to be well prepared to take it because if we miss it, it's going to be another long rerouting to get back into this. Because this is more than just work. This is heart work. We have to become a missional church. While we are very generous in giving to local and abroad missions and even have a missional committee that goes out there to serve, Jesus is seeking for everyone in this room individually who calls WPA their home to live missionally, practically every single day. And what does it mean to be missional? It is to reach the lost with the good news of Jesus Christ. This is a part of our spiritual work. Luke 15.10 says this, and I want you to hear this verse, okay? In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I want you to grab, I just want you to imagine that for a second. When one sinner turns towards God in Christ Jesus, all of heaven is throwing a party. Can you imagine if we led in one year a thousand souls in repentance to God, to Christ? Can you imagine a million? I'm painting images of faith here for you so that you are, you are grabbing the heart of God this morning. All of heaven would come down if we lived in such an attitude. If we lived in such a way that we were missional. Jesus said this statement. And here's the thing. There is no greater deed now in all of heaven that causes joy for the angels other than the sinner who turns towards God. No greater deed here, even on earth. Last week, Pastor Chris read this amazing verse. And I hope that you actually caught it while we were listening in. It's actually found in Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, which says this, those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. While we live in a culture that tells us all kinds of ways to become a star of some sort, by either being an influencer or creating something trendy, creating, you know, something impactful, those are the standards of the world. You can do it on Instagram. You can do it on TikTok. You can do it on LinkedIn. You can do it anywhere you want. But can I tell you something? When the eternal word of God says that what it means to be like a star, this is the only requisite. God's word constitutes that those who lead others to righteousness, those who lead people to repentance in Christ will shine like the stars. This is the reward waiting for you and for me, for those who obey this lifestyle. And who is righteousness? Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ is this righteousness. He is the good news who paid the price for us to stand right before God and be reconciled to God. God's heart is not only for his church, but is also for the lost that is out there. Who he has called to also be a part of this church. And the solution for this is not to invite them to come here and have someone else lead them to Christ. That's not the solution. The solution is for you and for me to go out there to them because we are God's gift to them. Just as, I know we're coming into the Christmas season, just as God sent the angel Gabriel to Mary to announce the good news, let me tell you something, everyone in this room is called to be an angel to the stranger to deliver some good news. We are the messengers of good news to them. We cannot be idle and leech off of others to do this kind of spiritual work. God called all of us to do this. So, how do we prepare ourselves? How do we prepare ourselves spiritually to become more of a missional church? We have to first become more of a praying church. I know there's like a holy hush in here, but I got to tell you what the Lord has laid on my heart. We have to become a praying church. While we have a lot of prayer initiatives and teams and systems in place, we can't just have a few attendees participate. We want everyone to find the time to commit and participate. This is also a part of our spiritual work. We got to ask some, ourselves some honest questions because, as you know, Christmas is coming and it's very exciting, but the year is also ending. And we're going to be beginning a new year in just a little over a month. And while we do that, we have to do some reflection. We have to do some auditing of our own spiritual work. Here are some questions that... I was asking myself, how many people do we share our faith in Jesus Christ with this year? How many people do we personally know receive the good news of Jesus Christ directly from us? Not from a YouTube link, not from other means, although those things can all work. If the Lord leads you to do that, amazing. But here's the thing, how many do we know that we've actually gone out there and Personally, like we deliver any gifts to anybody, especially in a Christmas season, that we actually gave them and we have the full confidence that we actually gave them the good news of Jesus Christ. What they do with that gift is up to them, but our part is to give. How many people do we pray for that need to receive the gospel? Are we interceding for them? Hear this, in Jesus Christ, God has appointed and anointed us as his priests to intercede for God's lost sheep. That's what God has appointed us as. Last Sunday, we had our Holy Spirit night. And it was so encouraging to see that we had about 145 attend in person. 
And approximately, we had about 190 attend online. So thank you for all of you who had come out. And for those of you who were here in person or online, can you just give me a wave or can I get a witness that you had a wonderful time here? We did, we did. It was just amazing to see the Holy Spirit move among us. And it was a powerful night. And see here, the purpose of our Holy Spirit nights is to be filled with the Spirit. Not so that we can just speak in tongues and just go back home. But so that we would receive power from above to be His living witnesses. He is the key to living missionally every day. There is a powerful verse written in John 21, 25, which says this. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And you know, here's the amazing part about this verse is this. Today, God has empowered us by the Holy Spirit to be the living books who continue to tell the great works of Jesus, of what he did, of what he is doing, and what he will do. If you are inspired by the Gospels written in the Bible, I'll tell you, there was only one source that inspired that. It is the Holy Spirit. No other gimmicks, no other mechanics, no other rhythms. I'm telling you, if you access the Holy Spirit in your life, He will be the inspiration. He will be the one writing your testimony so that all people can see what Jesus is doing in and through you. Did you know that because the Holy Spirit dwells in us, we are carrying the presence of Almighty God wherever we go at any time? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Every professing Christian in this room is carrying the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of them right now. In John 14, you actually read that Jesus tells the disciples, He actually says the statement to them. He says, I will pray to the Father to send you another helper who will be with you forever. So you have to understand, I have to understand that the Holy Spirit actually living inside of us is an answer to Jesus' prayer, not really ours. You are his dwelling place. God loves you so much that through the blood of Jesus Christ, God decided to not just one day live with you forever in eternity, but right now in this reality, he lives inside of you by the Holy Spirit. And who is this Holy Spirit? This Holy Spirit is the very same Spirit that conceived the eternal Son of God in the womb of Mary, and resurrected Jesus from the dead. 
Do you understand how powerful of a person is living inside of you? And you know what that means? That means that at any point, any time, anywhere, you can access the Spirit of God in seconds, and the Spirit of God can access the lost through you in seconds as well. I hope that this is sinking into your hearts. You are not just ordinary people. I'm, we're not just ordinary people. I'm not just an ordinary person because you want to know why? Because we are carriers of God's presence wherever we go. Whether you go to work, whether you go to school, whether you go into a lecture hall, whether you go into a meeting, wherever you are, the presence of God is going with you. It's not just you entering that room. It's not just me entering that room. But Jesus Christ himself is entering that room as well. We are a special people chosen by God to display the works of God for the glory of God. In order to go empowered by the Spirit to do God's work, we actually have to be prayed up. That's the secret. The secret is pray. So here's an encouragement. Whenever there is a time to gather together to pray, be it you see it on a newsletter, anytime you even see the word pray here at the church, come, come running, come seeking, come expecting. Whenever you see Holy Spirit night or corporate prayer, come expecting. Someone recently asked me, Pastor, what do I expect at Holy Spirit night? I just tell them three words, come and see. Come and see. Come and see. We have one more corporate prayer before this year ends. And that's on December 31st. Before this year ends, I want to encourage every one of you, if you can, please make the time and come. Come. Let's pray and seek the Lord together before we step into the new year. Let's come together as a church family. And it's only one hour. One hour. I want to invite the worship team to come on back as they lead us into this last song. And before we leave, and as we come to the end of this series, we've been hearing in the last few weeks, God has been teaching us in so many different ways about the end of when his coming might be, all of that. And that is all very exciting. But this message is telling us what we need to do while we wait. And that is, don't be idle. Be faithful. And when it comes to that, what kind of heart is God looking for spiritual work? When it comes to being faithful in our spiritual work, what is Jesus looking for? Peter quotes the heart of God concerning David in Acts 13, verse 22, where he says this, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. This is such a great testimony about David that actually comes from God. This is God testifying, not anybody else, God. As I was preparing this message and being so challenged by what the Holy Spirit was doing in my own heart, here was a question that I was asking myself when I read this verse. Do I have the confidence that God will testify about me like that? 
Do I have the confidence? Now hear me when I say this. This isn't about, this, this, test, this testimony is nothing to do with God's love for you. God's always going to love you. God's always going to take care of you because that's his faithful covenant to you. He will keep his word. There's nothing you can do that's going to outrun God's love for you and God's grace for you and God's mercy for you. He's always going to love you. And also God has already approved you. In Jesus Christ, you have received a new identity. You're not an orphan anymore. You're not, you're, even though we are sinners, we're actually children of God. That means anything that we pray into the throne of, of God, God hears it. But this statement has nothing to do with our security or our love for, or our approval or our love from God. It all has to do with trust. Does God trust us with the stuff that he wants us to do? And I believe he does. That's why he's blessed us. As a church, he's blessed us. He's calling us to something new now, our missional vitality. And see, here's the thing. Almost every person that you look at in scripture whom God called to his spiritual work was a hard-working person. Moses was tending Jethro's sheep when the burning bush appeared. Elisha was plowing fields when Elijah's mantle fell on him. David was tending to sheep when he was called and anointed by Samuel. Are there any parents, are there any parents in this room who love it when their kids obey without asking any questions? My favorite line when I grew up with my parents was this. Why, Dad? Because I said so. My dear friends, my dear brothers and sisters, God's looking at us like that. He's, he just wants to know, is there anybody out there who's willing to do what I've asked them to do? See, in the kingdom of God, God will first test us to see how are we working and stewarding with earthly riches before he entrusts us with spiritual riches. And can I tell you something, WPA? God has helped us to be faithful in earthly riches. That's why I commended those things. But now he's giving us, he's entrusting us with spiritual riches. And our eternal treasure is not wealth, not health, not any of those things. It's people. People who need to know Jesus. People who need to come to know Jesus. They're the people we're taking up there. That's his home. And see, the great example we have before us is our Lord Jesus Christ himself. He was a carpenter before he stepped out into his ministry. And see, the amazing part was, after that, he fulfilled his spiritual work. He faithfully lived the life that we could not live and died willingly the death we deserved. Not just willingly, actually, wholeheartedly. He wanted to do it for us. That was the work that God the Father assigned him. And you know what? Because he did that, every one of us who's sitting in this room right now, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, I have good news for you. You are blessed in the eyes of God. It doesn't matter if you are rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you are, if you are healthy or sick. As long as you have put your faith in the work of Christ, God has put a blessing upon you. And you will always be in that status. Why? Because Jesus did the hard work. 
And here's the, here's the amazing part. This Jesus is coming back to receive his WPA family. He's actually coming back to receive his WPA family. So what should we do while we wait? Don't be idle. Let's be faithful. Let's be hard workers. There are some people that we know who need to hear the gospel from us. And we know it for a long time. I want to encourage you and I want to inspire you. Let's pray for them together. Let's pray for them and let's reach them together. Can we do that, church? Can we do that? Because when Jesus comes back, here's what I want him, I want us to hear. I want him to say about us, here is a people after my own heart. They will do everything I want them to do. Let's pray.